This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 309. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And uh, today, this is a, a little bit of a different episode. Uh, we had some problems that kept us from getting a, an actual episode recorded uh, this week. We were intending on doing an industry news uh, episode, and uh, it just didn't work out. So I apologize for that. But the good news is, is I've got in the hopper some interviews still left to... Uh, to use from SHOT Show, some interviews I had the pleasure of recording while we were out there in Las Vegas attending the 2019 SHOT Show. And I thought, you know, today I think the perfect interview to play back would be one that's a little bit different than what you've probably ever heard on this show before. And now now the guest, or he who does the interview with me, uh, is not a totally new voice or person. In fact, uh, you, you may recognize him or recognize his voice. Uh, and that is Buell Collins, who's been on the on the podcast uh, a couple of times. So I was really excited when Buell actually came to me with the idea. He said, Riley, I would like to interview you on your show. And I thought, okay, all right, yeah, let's do it. That that uh, That'll be interesting and fun and different, not being in the driver's seat. So uh, Buell, thank you for that. And thank you for hosting us in the Fiocchi Ammunition booth. And uh, it was a great time. I really enjoyed it, buddy. Uh, my, my pleasure. And uh, I look forward to doing more things with you, brother. So Buell is a big fan and supporter of the podcast, and we really sincerely appreciate him and the, the whole team over there at Fioki. Now, uh, today, uh, <clears throat> we do have a case of the week from Andrew Branca. And so I will play that back for you here momentarily. And then we'll play back the interview that was pre-recorded with Buell. But uh, today's episode is made possible by Guardian Nation, GuardianNation.com. In fact, uh, we're just so thrilled to uh, have Guardian Nation a part of the ConcealedCarry.com family, and it's a it's a it's a fantastic membership. You know, one thing that I really appreciated about the Guardian Nation membership is the community. Uh, we have a Facebook group just for members, and it's a very active group. It is a helpful, a friendly group, uh, a place for like-minded individuals, Guardian Nation members, even a, a family of sorts to to come together. And uh, you know, there's no no judgment there. There's no uh, stupid, silly, petty arguments that take place or anything like that. It's it's all about coming together and helping each other out, asking questions, sharing our knowledge and our experience with each other. And it's, it's constantly growing all the time. So we, we love our Guardian Nation Facebook group and its members. If you are a Guardian Nation member and you are not yet in the group, well, you should, you should seek it, seek us out. Just search Guardian Nation Facebook or see Guardian Nation members, I think is how it's listed. Just search that in Facebook and uh, it'll ask you to, you, you got to provide evidence that you are an active member of, of Guardian Nation. And uh, we'll we'll check that out and approve your application for the group and put you in there. So it's a great time. So I hope to see you soon in the group. And now if you're not a Guardian Nation member, then uh, just go on over to GuardianNation.com and get signed up today. All right. Uh, the Facebook group, members group, is uh, it's great. And it's just one of many amazing benefits of joining the nation. So we hope to see you there. Also, this week we have a special deal on our ConcealedCarry.com branded adhesive reactive targets. These are the peel and stick kind of splatter target and uh, that we sell. We've got 8-inch bullseyes. We have little 3-inch, I think they are, 3- or 4-inch bullseyes. There's like 9 of them on a, on a, on a page. We've got a sight-in target. Works really great for sighting uh, rifles in at 100 yards or whatever. And then we've got a B29 uh, target as well. So... That, that uh, yeah, it's another popular option uh, amongst our users as well. So anyway, head on over to ConcealedCarry.com. Uh, check out our online store. Check out everything we have to offer there. But you can pick up these ConcealedCarry.com adhesive reactive peel and stick style splatter type targets. <laughs> I know that's a mouthful. You can pick them up and save a little dough by using coupon code 
target 1892. That'll save (laughs) 18.92% off of these targets. Why 1892? Uh, Well, 18, the year 1982, the year 1892 was the year that the first semi-automatic handgun was developed. So yeah, there you go. So target 1892, save almost 20% off of the concealedcarry.com targets. So appreciate your support of our products, as well as our sponsors and this podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and uh, play back this uh, case of the week from Andrew Branca. I hope that you enjoy this. Now I'm going to try to keep uh, the post analysis uh, rather brief and move right on into the interview with Buell because I'm really excited to get to it. So we'll catch you on the other side of Andrew Branca's case of the week. Hey folks, Attorney Andrew Branca here for Law and Self-Defense. Here's a pro tip for all of you who will be seeing headlines in coming days from quote-unquote news articles writing about a recent quote-unquote scientific study on gun violence. Anytime you see such a study purport to examine gun violence but actually examine homicide and suicide, you can be pretty sure it's a hack job. I've written on this conflation of gun violence with homicide and suicide before, such as in my post, Faux Science, claim that homicides surged under Florida's Stand Your Ground law, which is linked in the text version of this post. But in the past few days, another large quote-unquote gun violence study that does precisely this conflation has been published again. This one's titled, The Impact of State Firearm Laws on Homicide and Suicide Deaths in the USA, 1991 to 2016, a panel study. And we'll be seeing a lot of quote-unquote news stories based on this study in the usual gun control media. The stated objective of this study is, quote, to examine the relationship between state firearm laws and overall homicide and suicide rates at the state level across all 50 states over a 26-year period. Close quote. Now, I note in passing that the study, which I have linked in the text version of this post, is behind a paywall and requires a payment of $39.95 to access the full text. This kind of costly paywall helps ensure that very few private individuals will download and critically read the actual study and instead will be necessarily compelled to rely on the fake news anti-Second Amendment propagandized interpretation of the study. In any case, let's take a look at why it's scientific malfeasance to conflate gun violence with homicide and suicide. Let's look at homicide first. Using homicide as a synonym for criminal conduct is unforgivably stupid at the best or aggressively malicious at worst, and in either case, fatally undermines the credibility of the study's authors. Why? Because homicide literally simply means one person killed another. And not all homicides are, in fact, criminal conduct. Some homicides are unlawful killings, such as murder or manslaughter. Other homicides are not only lawful, but arguably a social good, such as a single mother shooting and killing the man attempting to rape and maim her and her child. Researchers who study gun violence by examining homicides are conflating criminal predation and lawful self-defense and essentially arguing that there is no legal or moral distinction between them. I disagree, and so does the law. If a change in gun laws purportedly results in an increased homicide rate, we have no idea if that change was socially positive or negative unless we know if the homicides were lawful or unlawful. A state that changed, for example, from a costly concealed carry permitting process to zero-cost, permitless constitutional carry might well see an increase in law-abiding, especially poor, law-abiding people carrying guns for personal protection. The pool of lawful people prepared to defend themselves against deadly force criminal predation has thus expanded. Therefore, it should surprise no one if there occurs an increase in lawful defensive uses of guns and thus an increase in homicides committed in lawful self-defense. Is that supposed to be a bad social outcome given that the alternative must necessarily be a smaller pool 
of law-abiding people able to defend themselves against violent criminal predators, and thus a greater number of innocent victims, victims of murder, rape, maiming, than if those law-abiding people had been armed for self-defense? I think not. I think that kind of increase in homicides, lawful killings and necessary self-defense, is a good social outcome. The mere fact that homicides may have increased isn't necessarily a bad thing. It may simply mean that more law-abiding people are arming themselves for self-defense and successfully defending themselves against violent criminal predation. Conversely, a drop in homicides would not necessarily be a good thing if what that really meant was that fewer home-invading rapists were stopped by their victims. Bottom line, whether homicides are bad or good is a function of who is doing the dying. Let's talk now about suicide. Using suicide as a synonym for gun violence is even more reprehensible. Suicide is a mental health problem, not a criminal violence problem. This is obvious simply by looking at Japan where private gun ownership is effectively non-existent, and yet the suicide rate is higher than in the United States. Guns don't cause suicides. So why did these quote-unquote scientists include suicide in their gun violence studies? In order to inflate their data. The large majority of gun deaths in the United States are, in fact, suicides rather than acts of criminal predation. These scientists thus conflate gun violence with suicide in order to inflate the apparent social importance of their science and thus of themselves. It's fake science, folks. Don't be fooled by fake science. In closing, as always, remember, you carry a gun so you're hard to kill. Know the law so you're hard to convict. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe. Hey, folks, before you go, I also wanted to let you know about a special offer we have this week. You may be familiar with our weekly Law of Self-Defense show. We now have the Law of Self-Defense show content for the first quarter of 2019 available for you to own on a three DVD plus a CD set. That's over six hours of video and audio, self-defense law, expertise, and insight. And this week, it's on sale for only $14.95. You can learn more about this offer at lawselfdefense.com forward slash show DVD. And we're back. Thanks to Andrew Branca for doing this week's Case of the Week. As always, uh, we appreciate his insight and everything he has to offer on understanding and learning the law of self-defense. And of course, you can give him some love and head on over to lawofselfdefense.com and see everything he's got there. It's a great, great website and lots of information, lots of great products from Andrew Branca. Now, let's uh, go ahead and jump now to this interview with Buell. Uh, Again, as I mentioned in the intro, Buell was uh, pretty cool to uh, come to me with the idea of interviewing me for the show. I I was rather flattered, and I have no idea how this is going to pan out for you all. Hopefully, you enjoy. But if you don't, well, then uh, my apologies. (laughs) But now, one thing that Buell really wanted to kind of talk about, and you'll get the sense of that, I think, pretty quick or early on in the interview is Buell's a very, he's very, for a long time, has been very heavy into the defensive shooting side of things, uh, but he's been more and more getting into, you know, kind of dipping his toes, so to speak, into the water of competition shooting, uh, like I have. And uh, so he kind of wanted to talk, talk quite a bit about that and what we can learn from competitive shooting and apply into defensive shooting and vice versa, and maybe some tips and tricks about how to, how to be a well-balanced shooter and well-balanced not only in defensive shooting, but or not only in competition shooting, but also in defensive shooting, you know, not having a uh, crossover where we don't want crossover and also allowing those things to shine through that do help us become a better shooter overall. So anyway, there you go. I'm going to go ahead and play it back right now. This is the Concealed Carry Podcast bonus episode. Nice. <laughs> Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast. I'm your host, Buell, your main man. I'm going to be interviewing Riley today on the Concealed Carry Network. Got a bonus episode for you guys. How's everyone doing out there? <laughs> Dude, I'm sitting here laughing because this is so weird. It's, like, we're we're going to re- roll reversal today. It, it's like if you if you drive the 
like you and your wife, right? And if like you drive 99.9% of the time and that one time your wife drives and you hop in the passenger seat, you're like, what the fetch? And then you're also like, whoa, 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 hun, whoa, slow down. White knuckling the whole <laughs> way. And that's how this podcast is going to be. Right now I am white knuckling because Buell is in charge and I am freaking out. I'm in control, barely. All right. <laughs> Although I'm still working the controls on the on the recorder here. <laughs> and ultimately you have veto power of upload. That's so, true. So if I if I don't do a good job here, this can just get buried in a in a hard you know, in a thumb drive somewhere. <laughs> That's and right. I, you just tell me, I, you know what, I lost that hard, hard you know, that thumb drive, Buell. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. Now normally Buell on, on on our podcast you gotta have a episode sponsor. So who's sponsoring our podcast today? Well, I would say it's the Concealed Carry app that you developed, Ooh. which is awesome. One of my favorite apps. This dude is now and like my favorite person. You know I'm a big fan of that thing. Thanks, uh, you, buddy. And the, the, for the simple resource of the laws yep. for people that are traveling and the locator of the gun-friendly businesses, the 2A friendly businesses, that is an amazing uh, feature that you guys built into that. So you got I'm it, gonna, buddy. I'm going to say that's our sponsor. Um, and I'm going to say thank you to Fioki Ammunition for hosting us at this beautiful booth here at SHOT Show 2019. That's like a very humble, you know, like first he recognizes the app, which is super, super awesome of him. And then he's like, and by the way, thanks to Fioki. And folks, if you don't remember who Buell is from the podcast or if this is your first episode you're listening to, you've ever listened to, I'm really sorry. And uh, you should know that Buell Collins is the main man at Fioki Ammunition. A main man like, yeah, you one day you'll be president, right? Uh, maybe if I if I keep my scandals down and I you know I I concentrate my voting block and redistrict a little bit, I think I can make it. <laughs> I think we'll be okay. Anyway, Buell oversees marketing at Fioki, and uh, so uh, yeah, he, he he's he wanted to do this episode, and this was his idea. He's like, dude, I want to interview you. Turn the tables on you. I'm like, yeah, okay. So, dude. I, sometimes I have wild ideas, and you you facilitate that, and you you, got, you guys have always been great. And I thought, <laughs> you know, it'd be good to pick Riley's brain from a, from an outsider's perspective. So, totally. hopefully, the the listeners enjoy it. Yeah. All right. The, the control stick is back in your hands. So right. away you go. So my original idea for this is uh, you and I have had some really good discussions on bridging gaps between circles uh, of uh, shooters in our community and and bridging the gap between disciplines yep and uh your uh concealed carry focus you're very knowledgeable in that uh something i'm very passionate about but you also shoot competitively and yep. are, are really good at that well, and that's, I, that's very kind of you <laughs> have you ever and, shoot, seen me shoot <laughs> yeah 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 on the internet <laughs> oh oh yeah the interwebs the interwebs that's yeah. a thing it, well <laughs> apparently al gore invented the it. book face yeah <laughs> so i wanted to get your thoughts on the cross benefits of those two things, you know, some of the benefits that you've seen in your concealed carry world mm -hmm. that have carried over from the competition world. Mm. And uh, you were kind enough to humor me this, <laughs> uh, this opportunity. So yeah, you want to dive into it? Yeah, dive in. All right. So uh, how long have you been competing? So I've been competing for three years. Is that right, Jacob? Jacob's sitting over here, by the way, folks, uh, listeners of the podcast. He's he's watching this this shenanigans here. Is it, was it right after I started working full time with you that we went to uh, Alabama, or was it the next year? Okay, so 2017. So so actually, wow, that's weird, man. So here's the thing, Buell. Like, and 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 I trick myself because like I feel like I've been shooting competitively for a long time, and which. Kind of informally, like I'd kind of do a little, you know, not anything really sanctioned or or terribly or well organized. Like I'd compete like with friends, you know, I'd go to the range and like, hey, let's uh, do this, and like who 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 can be the best, right? You know, and uh, um, and I'd, I'd always do really well. Um, so in 2016, I learned about this competition called American Marksman, and uh, the whole point was, that, and it was actually an outdoor channel run show it was actually a show that was produced and aired on outdoor outdoor channel supposedly it was going to be like a six episode sort of like mini series uh but 
for some reason, some of the funding on it fell through some sponsors. I don't know who, you know, you know how that stuff goes. And so then they, it ended up only being one episode, but that's fine. It was cool. It was fun. Uh, it got me introduced to like real competitive shooting. Um, so I went, you know, I went to the, the local qualifier thing and I qualified for the regional championship. So then I went to the regional championship. I won that and that qualified me to go to national championship. And, uh, you know, this was big. So the whole point of the show was to get kind of amateurs. So you couldn't be sponsored. You couldn't have competed at certain levels in certain sports um, to, to be able to enter into American Marksman. So um, I, I won regionals, went to the national championship, which was January, I guess, two years ago. That's weird. It doesn't Two years is like both has flown by, but also that feels like a long time ago. Um, and, you know, I did pretty good at, at national championship. I didn't do as good as I wanted. Um, and people ask, well, what, what, what did you come in at? Well, it, it's an interesting question because I, I, I got into the top 20. So they whittled it, the field down to 20. I was in the top 20. In fact, I was ranked 10th after they got down to the top 20. And once you got down to the 20, then we went head to head. And uh, I got a gun that wasn't really perfectly sighted in. And I didn't figure that out until it was a little bit too late. And I, I lost my head-to-head, so I, I, I was out after that point. Um, but I enjoyed it, and it really got me to where I was a lot more comfortable with the idea of going to matches and shooting competitively. And uh, I've, I've done it ever since. I jumped into a 3-gun, which was, you know, it's a bit of a jump, right? You know, so uh, I would probably advise most people, like, go shoot USPSA or something, you know, like, figure out how to do that a little bit more, and then maybe do a 3-gun. But I was like, I'm going to go all in. And, and plus, I love shooting rifles. I love shooting handguns. And I don't love shotgun necessarily. I mean, I think actually they're, they're a hoot to shoot. I think they're awesome. Um, I don't like reloading them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what a shot, that's the trick of a shotgun. It's like a shotgun stage is basically, can you reload a shotgun? Exactly. That's, so, that's what they're testing. So I have to shoot really awesome on all the other stages, uh, you know, so I can throw away the shotgun stages. And, you know, I do okay. I, I finish usually in the in the top 10% of shooters in a lot of matches. Um, I haven't won a match yet, you know, but, uh, but uh, you know, I do okay. Awesome. So I enjoy it. And when you started competing, did you go into it as a separate entity from your concealed carry mindset? Yeah. Or was it, was it something that you looked at as a good way to practice? Or, you know, to get more reps in for your concealed yeah. carry? Or was it just its own little baby that good, you wanted to nurture? Good good questions, man. Um, so getting into competitive shooting has nothing to do whatsoever. Well, I shouldn't say nothing. But the, the motivation is, has nothing to do with me um, trying to get better at concealed carry or defensive shooting or anything like that. Um, it's really because I, I, I'm a competitive person. I like competing. It's fun to me to compete. Uh, whether it's ping pong, whether it's pool, whether it's basketball or baseball, whatever. I just enjoy competing. And it's, it's just my nature. You should see the, the Bowman family reunions we have. And, like, all Bowmans are very competitive. And to the point that sometimes there's almost fights, you know. <laughs> and so uh, I just like to compete. And it's fun. And it's fun to me. So uh, that's really probably the number one motivation motivator but i also recognize the side benefits and the side benefits are can i get to where to a level where handling my guns uh shooting them the mechanics of shooting the gun is is better and better more natural more automatic like that's actually probably where i'm at with things right now is everything i'm doing i'm trying to make shooting a, a gun well as automatic a po- process as possible you know where the decision that the, the switch that you switch on is fire gun, right? And not thinking about what am I doing right now with my hands, with my grip, with, you know, my reload, with, uh, you know, if there's a safety on a gun, putting a safety on or taking it off, whatever. You know, a lot of things for me do ha- happen automatically, but but there's times where I lose a little bit of focus or something and I stop focusing on my front side or something as much, you know, and, and so then I start throwing errant shots and stuff like that. So like, like getting to a point where I'm awesome enough, you know, because I've done it enough times, thousands and thousands and thousands of times, that the process, the mechanics, the fundamentals, uh, all of that of, of shooting a gun happens as automatically as possible. Well, when I look at it from an outsider's perspective, as far as competitive shooting goes, I look. I think that there's a benefit in what you're saying is building those neural pathways. Yep. In 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 having that gun handling down. 
yep. so that the the mechanics of it, like you said, the the biomechanics of it are second nature. Right. So when you're stressed out as a concealed carrier, or, or if something's happening that you have to protect your family or, yep. or whatever, that stuff isn't. You're not using resources mentally yep. to to do that. And that's right. Getting the reps at comp- at competitions is a great way to do that and to and to focus on that uh, skill aspect of it because yep. skill does play a part. It, it's it's like it's like driving a car, and I hate to compare shooting guns to driving cars, but the reality is it's it's easy to do because and it makes a lot of sense because driving a car for most of us is is, is second nature, right? You you do it for a number of years. You don't think about. I lift my foot, I put it on the gas pedal, I press a certain amount, you know, to go a certain speed, you know, then I need to brake, oh, somebody in front of me is slowing down, so I move my foot back over and press the brake, you know, like, you don't think about it, right? You don't even think about turning the steering wheel, you don't think about, you know, putting it into the drive or putting it into reverse, like, all those things happen automatically, and, you know, you don't, so here's a really good example, right? So, what I'm talking about here is, my goal is to get to that point to that level where shooting the gun is like driving the car where you you don't think about what it is you're doing you think about where you're going and then you think about what's in front of me and oh i need to avoid this or i need to slow down so imagine you're cruising on you know i-15 here we're in vegas right i-15 passing the strip and also you know a lot of traffic sometimes right there's probably a lot of traffic out there right now and all of a sudden cars in front of you lay on their brakes you don't think instantly at all about oh I got to put my foot on the brake no you just think I got to stop right like the the car is an extension of you um, that so how we make that crossover into say like defensive shooting well that's what we're trying to do is make the shooting process the mechanics of it you know the gas pedal the brake all that just like you know we're just trying to make that automatic then talk about tactics right tactics is what I'm doing actually with the car right. Oh, this guy suddenly swerved like this. Or I have a deer. I just had an elk, actually. We almost hit. I almost hit as I was driving here to the show. An elk jumps out into the road. You're not thinking about what you're doing with the car. You're thinking about how do I avoid the elk. Right. See where I'm going? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great analogy. And I, in my mind before my experience with it, I would say that is exactly why I would do it. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to actually start... Uh, I've made the pledge that I'm going to go shoot at least a one three gun match this year. So yeah. um, uh, you, you guys have talked me into it, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make it happen. Um, so I had a couple of, of questions in regards to maybe some of the rules that you might be able to clarify sure, for sure. me and some of the listeners that might be I'll, interested. I'll in do this. my best. So do you ever compete with your actual carry gun? And the second part of that question is. Do they have a quote unquote carry gun division, if you will, mm. so that you know when you go out there? Uh, if I only have like my EDC set up, mm-hmm. yep, and I go out there, um, I don't want to ha- like I don't want to be competing against someone with a race gun, yep, you know that's really specifically tuned. Is there yep. parameters for that established? Good, good questions. So first of all, let me clarify something about me. I for me with competitive shooting, I separate competitive shooting in my world. Like it's, it's in its own box, right? Like, you know how men are, you know, like we, <laughs> we're able to put things in boxes. And when you want to take something out of the box, you take it out of the box. And when you're done, you put it back in the box. So competitive shooting for me in my brain exists in a box, defensive shooting tactics that those are in other boxes. Um, and so I, I, that's been somewhat intentional on my part. So, like, I look at an IDPA match, and you know, International Defensive Pistol Association match, uh, and I think they're cool. And like, I probably should go shoot one, just you know, check it out, so I you know stop ragging on IDPA matches because I don't really know what the heck I'm talking about. Uh, but, but I, I'm not really interested in shooting with my carry gun or shooting a match that's designed to sort of look like defensive scenarios but not really because it's still yeah. just a game right like i'm more interested in just the game you know? yeah and so that's why i chose three gun because three gun is an absolute just game like even with relates as it relates to the, the your carbine rifle that you use in three gun like I, and i'm i'm a I, i'm a patrol rifle instructor i love shooting carbines and i love being all defensive and tactical with them but but my carbine rifle setup in three guns different than my you know tactical setup 
You know, so um, I that's all just sort of separate now. Now I shoot a Sig Sauer X5, 320 X5, 9mm, uh, with a dot on it now for uh, for three gun. I'm shooting open division uh, as of late, and uh, while I do sometimes carry a P320, um, so there is that familiarity a little bit. Uh, but most of the time, you know, but the X5 really doesn't feel like my carry gun. It's 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 a totally different animal. Uh, the balance is different. The setup's different. It's got a magwell on it, you know. Uh, so it's totally, and the trigger on it's, you know, it's like a two and a half, three pound trigger. It's, you know, I've had aftermarket trigger put in. So, you know, even that's, there's some separation there. Um, but that said, are there people that even show up to three gun matches and shoot a three gun match with their defensive carbine with a Glock 19? Yeah, totally. And it's totally welcome. And there's actually shooters, some shooters that do very well with that um now there's idpa matches and and they're intended to kind of be a little bit more defensive oriented um and they do have divisions that are geared towards like everyday carry gear which is cool right i think that's cool and for some people they really eat that up i've actually shot at at one idpa match Mm. and my thoughts on this uh when i left the match were that it was good practice uh to get reps in and and to do shooting and, and to go out and meet people in the culture, you know, and spend time with like-minded people. Yep, yep. So that was great. But I, I had to make a, a mental note that I'm not doing, you know, the most tactically sound thing. This, yeah. is, this is its own thing, like you said a minute ago. Yep. So my, my worry was that I would, con- you know, I would kind of pollute the water, uh-huh. if you will. But I, I like how you said that you com- that you purposely separated yeah. the two, both gun wise, yep. you know, mental preparation wise, yep. and you did that intentionally so that yep. there is less likelihood of that. Yeah, you know, I used to think that was you know why I did that. That I was, I was a little concerned that I'd muddy the waters, so to speak. And I'm I'm not at, at I'm not so sure anymore if that's really a thing. Okay, so let me give you a reason why why I'm starting to think or see things a little bit differently. First of all, there's been a, there's a number of really like legit like like operator type dudes um, that shoot competitively or have shot competitively. I mean, you, you know a Kyle Lamb, right? Oh, yeah. Kyle Lamb shot three gun. He doesn't really yeah. do it anymore, but he used to big yeah. time. In fact, he did it while he was still active, yeah. right? In his, in his spare time, um, and there's lots of guys like that that they're they're active military, law enforcement, whatever. And in some cases, for them, it's just a game, but but. You know, when I talk to somebody like Kyle Lamb, uh, or I don't know if you know Joe Farewell, he's down in Florida. Um, he's a cop by day, but he is an amazing three gunner. Okay, uh, I believe he's. I think he's SWAT. I'll give you another one, Keith Garcia, one of the best three gunners alive. Cop. Yeah. Long, long, long time career as a law enforcement officer, right? Uh, sir, you know, SWAT, all that, like very, very experienced law enforcement. Uh, there's many, like I. There's many, many more examples I could give you that are like that, okay? These are guys that shoot competitively, shoot competitively at a very high level, and I've talked to some of them. You know what they say? They say, this this helps make sure that the shooting skills, shooting skills, not tactics, not defensive skills, but the shooting skills are the best that they can be, you know, that I stay sharp. They're worrying about the tactic stuff outside of that, yeah. right? And so... You know, the, the more I think about it, I, I'm less and less convinced that there's an issue with muddying the waters between competitive shooting and defensive shooting. As long as, like, y- as long as you make sure your tactics are sharp, right? It's a different skill. Like, it has to be exercised. You know, you know, it's a, it's in its own box. So you got to take it out and you got to do something with it. And you got to you know go train, take courses, you know, read stuff, you know, study up. Um, you know, practice all, you know, I mean, being aware and, you know, all this stuff. Right. So, um, that's, that's what I, where I'm at right now. Like I'm less concerned about combining the two. Right. All right. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. And you know, the, the question that we're addressing here is, is that exact question, right? It's like, where do you see the benefits and where do you start to see diminishing returns? And if you can, if you can focus on what you're actually developing in that process, you're you're going to be better off at developing that skill yeah. 
you know, or working that process. And, you know, people, this, is, this isn't something new. I know the newer generation of guys are doing that and shooting competitively that are, are – They're making an announcement here. <laughs> I think Shot Show's going to close. But um, you can go back to some of the guys like Larry Vickers. Sorry, we're going to let her make her announcement. Yeah. I guess they want us to go. <laughs> so anyway, where were we? But you can look back at guys like you know from the the I don't want to call them like the prior generation, but you know like Larry Vickers, um, Hackathorn, they all competed. Clint Smith, they yes. all competed. There you go. And they were very well. Like you're yeah. not going to question their tactics. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, right. So there's definitely some inherent value in there, and I think that what we also need to to look at is the value in closing the gap between someone that goes and takes a, a, a defensive carbine course and the guy that, that shoots three gun competitively, you know? So there's a, there's a disconnect or we, we tend to segment ourselves into, into our own groups yeah. and we have way more in common with each other than we have uh, differences. And we, we tend to focus on the, Minute differences of, of, oh well, you're not tactically sound, or, or you're you don't shoot as fast as I do, and in reality, what we should be doing, and like me as a as a quote unquote tactical guy that's into training, yeah. I should be trying to help the 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 competition shooter be more squared away when he's protecting his family every day yep. and going to the grocery store, and he could be helping me like, hey man, do this. I learned this, you know, at the at this last competition. Oh, I see you're carrying a red dot now. Here's how you can really shoot fast and do this, yep. and then we would be making uh, each other better and and making allies in this thing that we're trying to protect yeah. the Second Amendment, right? Yep. Here, you know, here's another thing to think about, by the way. Another advantage that I get a little bit with, uh, especially with three gun, okay, is I get to sort of test gear a little bit. Yeah, and grant some a lot of the gear is different, but here's the thing. We freaking abuse our guns, man. You know, you, you shoot a part of a stage with your handgun, right? You got a dump bucket for it. And because you're trying to go fast, you're just like, boom, just throw that thing in that bucket, you. right? You're shooting your rifle and you get done. You're just like, boom, throw it in the dump right in the dump barrel, you know? And like, you're, you're beating the crap out of stuff. Like, I know. All right. So I'm going to be a little controversial. So I have a Vortex scope on my rifle. And yeah, I see things online. Oh, Vortex, yeah, it's not that good. Uh, you know, it's not Trigicon, you know. And, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, I see the differences between like a Trigicon, you know, and, and, a, and a Vortex, especially, you know, with like a, like a red dot or whatever, right? But here's the thing, like, my Vortex, holy crap, I beat the heck out. I mean, it, I just, I, it gets thrown, it gets tossed, it gets dropped, and boy, that sucker's still running, you know? So actually, the, the point, that you're that you're making there is gear gets developed in competition shooting a lot of really oh, yeah. good gear and um you know people have their opinions on different companies uh i've had good luck with vortex products yeah i i and i've had i've seen people that have had bad luck with products that people swear never break yep. it's yep. everything in the, that we do or, or operate with in the gun world is a is a machine yep. and it and when machines are built by humans, they will break at some point or we'll have a failure rate of a certain amount. Right. And, and that's fine. Like the point is, is how is it addressed and how often does it happen or how often does it not happen? Right. Yep. Uh, well, that's one of the things we're really proud of is how often, uh, we don't have an issue or how not, you know, how infrequent it is, I guess would be a better way to say it if I could speak English. Um, and you're referring to Fioki. Fioki, yeah. It, you know, okay, we I'm, have a, I'm trying to help you there with the product placement, buddy. Well, you know, you're, <laughs> you're a professional. I'm new at this. Um, but the, the failure rate is low yep. and, and I've seen a ton of Vortex. Like uh, Jerry, one of our sponsored shooters, yep. shoots for Vortex. Yep. He has the original, uh, I, can't, I can't remember what their top of the line scope is. It's a one to six power razor. It's got the JM one reticle. It's his custom reticle yeah. that he developed. Yeah, he still has his original one. I believe it. They sent him on I've his rifle, um, and yeah. he's. I've watched Jerry shoot for, many times. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's and it's not like they like well, this one's Jerry's. Let's make him a special one. No, he he just got one of the original ones. Yep. So, um, I, I think the point too being is a lot of things that we enjoy as a firearms community as a whole are developed in competitions that's yeah. where because you are looking for the slightest edge o over and over and over and weekend after weekend so things get tuned to a very sharp yeah. edge 
So that's a, a, another huge benefit. Um, I guess what, how I could wrap this up in, in my head is the, uh, the big benefit also for guys that go out and take classes mm. is they can find a local club to them that is having a match every weekend or every other weekend and they don't they can keep their skills sharp in between classes and the barrier entry is very low it doesn't cost five six seven hundred dollars that a class costs to go out and shoot a match and yeah and as long as in your head you know what you're doing yep. like you said and you know what the point of it is yep. you can get a lot of very useful reps and guess what you can meet the right people in your area Yep. And maybe then you and you and a guy you met at the at the three gun match go and take a class Absolutely. together. I just took a, a class with uh, Adam Maxwell from Vortex. Yeah, he's great dude, great yeah. guy, and um, he got out of his comfort zone. He's a really good competitive shooter. Yeah. What, what said, class was this, by the way? He he took way of the pistol at tactical response. No kidding, Ad- yeah. Amax did. Huh? Yeah, and oh cool. And um, I was there just for a couple of days while I was traveling through, and I I jumped into fighting pistol, and so I took the first two days of the class with him. But that's a like he ventured out of his comfort zone to go totally. do that and like that was one of the things that inspired me i'm like well dude i'll go shoot a three-gun match like i can mm. get out of my comfort zone you're here with us and you know he's a really good shooter yep um he is and i, I was like i can i can go shoot a three-gun match and it's not like they're gonna be like oh you, you're not you know you're not good enough to be here or anything like that it's just normal guys like us you yep. know or well you're obviously one of them but <laughs> so that was a big that was a big moment in my head where i i switch to yeah hey let me try this let me give it a shot you know so i'm i'm definitely doing that this year that's awesome man you know so so here's the thing like you said something too that's really key like the the best thing about this industry the best thing about the shooting sports best thing about three gun the best thing about uspsa the best thing about all of this is the people right we all love guns we love shooting guns we love having fun we love being responsible and safe and all that stuff and uh we love our rights to have them in the first place right um, the people are what's the best part, and I. Okay, are there those? Are those? Are there those? Uh, are there those few people that you're like? Ah, I don't really. I don't really like them. I don't really care for them. Yeah. Okay. There's a few, but you know what? I hardly come across anybody in the sport that I don't like. Well, you know that, or or at the very least, are good. Like you know, they're good, decent people. Where you can show up at a match and you're like, oh, crap, I forgot my holster. I forgot my gun. Mm-hmm. And people will come out of the woodworks like, well, dude, I have a spare. Here you go. You know, like totally just hook you up. One thing that I've noticed in uh, in this community is that it's usually like a personality conflict, not a principal yeah. conflict. Yeah. Like most people in this industry or in, in the shooting world have very good principles. They're yeah. very principled people. Decent and, people. Yeah, and you might have a personality conflict. You don't That's like right. my sense of humor or something like that. Yep. But um, it's not a principle problem, and that's a much deeper thing. Agreed. You know, we, yep. we share the same moral values, and, yep. and, and when you're around those people, it, you good ideas tend to yep. follow. Agreed, know? agreed. You know, and you're going to meet all kinds of people. Uh, you're going to meet cops. You're going to meet... Uh, military, you know, both active and retired. You're going to meet moms. You're going to meet dads. You're going to meet, you know, people that work in the oil and gas industry. I mean, just, you know, finance sector. You're going to meet all kinds of people. And and uh, some of my, you know, new best friends are people that I've met in the shooting sports. And I love them. And I, and, and I, I love continuing to meet, you know, every time I go, even every time I go to a show like this, every time I go to a match, I meet somebody new that becomes a friend. And it's so cool, you know, that next time you see them, you know, uh, it's it's just cool. Like you know, you got something in common. You know that you enjoy one another's company, and you more more importantly than anything, you, you enjoy shooting guns together. Uh, and you were talking about you know well, you bump into people and you end up taking a class together or go train together. Um, it's true. But one thing I think you know where people slip up where we, you know when we start talking about the whole competition versus defensive or tactics uh, related shooting, <clears throat> where people get mixed up is when they think going to a shooting match is equivalent to training. Right. And, and by training, I'm going to be specific, like the type of training that we think of when we're, in, you know, when we're trying to train to be a better concealed carrier, a better defensive shooter, a better tactician, you know. And, and so, yeah, you can train for the competition side, and you should, right? You know, like you want to get better or whatever. Um, but don't go to a match and think that unless it's for competitive shooting that you're training it doesn't yeah. replace classes and training with you know rep- reputable uh 
<clears throat> respected you know instructors and things in the industry. And <clears throat> and the flip side of that is I know competitive guys that do classes on how to shoot better competitively. Absolutely. You know that and get this. Here, you know what? I was just talking with Rob, Rob Latham uh, last night. And uh, he said something really interesting. I, I asked him about this class that he and Mike Le- uh, Leaklander, <laughs> Mike Seeklander teach together called the Bigger Circle. And I was like, dude, what's the Bigger Circle? And he said the same thing that we just talked about a little bit ago. He's like, well, you have you know comp- competition shooters. And within that, you even have USPSA and 3-Gun and IDPA. They're all in, like different circles. You have tactics guys, you have operators, you got cops, you got hunters, you got shot, you know, guys that just compete with shotguns, you know. Everybody's in their little circle. And he says the whole point with him and Seeklander getting together, because Rob Latham's a competition guy. Seeklander actually shoots competition, but he's, you know, his career has been on, you know, the, the defensive, law enforcement, you know, tactics oriented side of things, plus he served in the Marine Corps. Um, and so you got these two guys. And they're coming together and saying, we need to increase the size of our circle. Yeah. From both sides. Competitive side, because there's co- comp- competition shooters that say, eh, those tactics guys, we don't need them. You know? What are they, you know, what, cosplaying? What are they doing? They're LARPing over there. You <laughs> right, know? right. It's like, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Well, people on both sides make fun of the yep. other side all the time. And it's like, you know what? We're all on the same side. Yep. We all want and love our guns and want to you know keep be able to do what we enjoy and so let's let's increase the size of the circle let's see what we can learn from each other it, you know that also then helps us get better you know rob latham has been hired by some of the world's most elite military units and law enforcement to yeah. go in there and teach them what is he teaching them he's not teaching them tactics he's teaching them shooting right and the most elite guys have have hired him to come in and teach. You know, he's he's one of the greatest pistol shooters that's ever lived. You know, like thirty five or thirty six like national level yeah. championships. Well, think about know? think about the the modern handgun technique that all tactical instructors basically teach. Yep, modern curriculum. Yeah, where did it come from? Competition. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. I mean, so I don't know what else you got, brother. But I, I think moral of the story <laughs> is uh, quit being uh so regimented and dogmatic in your thought and open your horizons a little bit listen to the other side of it uh, as far as competition and tact and tactical training and self-defense training and let's see what benefits we can add to each other so that we improve each other's groups going forward and make a bigger circle as you said and that we're being the most beneficial to this thing that we all love yeah like we don't need to be against each other. And fun rivalries are happening and everything like that. Sure. Like you say, you, you'd be competitive even with your family. And it, But go out to a match and be competitive and then take that guy to a to a, a force-on-force class and be competitive with him there and see, test his tactics and all that yeah. stuff. It'll be an awesome time yeah. to make friends, you know? Yep. So increase our circles, yep. make friends, see what you can learn from others and uh, how you can get better. And uh, get outside, you know, be willing to step outside of your own little box or circle and uh, try something new and different, which is For what sure. you're doing, which is awesome, dude. Props awesome. to you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So I hope you guys like the bonus episode. I'm Buell Collins from Fioki. I'm here with the Concealed Carry Podcast doing my first ever episode. Thank you, Riley. I really appreciate you letting me host <laughs> and being my first guest. Um, it you was actually awesome. did really well, man. Oh, man, don't tell them that. They might want me to do it again. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much, man. I, yeah. I truly appreciate it. And thanks to all the listeners out there. Yeah. I hope that it was beneficial. Uh, for you guys, and that you got a little perspective from the conversation. Yeah. One, one more shout out for Fioki Ammunition. Really appreciate you and your team here, and for allowing us to come into your your booth and do this. Uh, and uh, well, uh, you know, go check out that little app known as the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app too. Yeah, it's so. my favorite app. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. All right, thank you. And there you go. Thanks for listening to this interview and today's episode, this being episode 309 of the podcast. Now, each week we do a prize giveaway. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and announce that right now. So stand by. I'm getting the random picker thing ready to go. Uh, So Each week, we do this giveaway on the podcast. Every Tuesday, we announce a weekly winner of a prize. This week, we're giving away to one lucky individual a big, what we call the Big Stick t-shirt. Now, it's a a t-shirt with the American flag on the front and an AR-15, and then it says the words, speak softly, 
and carry a big stick, which is a famous uh, phrase uh, that was by President Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt. In fact, it was his philosophy on his foreign policy, his approach to handling foreign policy. And I appreciate uh, that. Uh, I appreciate those words and kind of almost that analogy of sorts. Uh, I think there's a lot of application to us as concealed carriers, uh, being self-defense minded, in that we should always try to speak softly in the you know in in sticky situations, in difficult situations, in situations where they might be getting elevated a little bit, or somebody's getting frustrated, or getting into a fight, whatever it might be, a road rage incident. We should always try to diffuse, to deflect, to de-escalate, and solve the problem without it having to come to blows or to gunshots. And so speak softly, but for when that doesn't work, for, for when we've done everything we can to avoid or de-escalate the situation, but it's still not happening. I mean, cause it's not, it's not only up to us, right? Like there's other people maybe involved that are the instigators that, you know, they have their, their choice too, and they're choosing to create this situation and cause me problems. So in the event that we try to speak softly, but it doesn't work and it gets scary and deadly, then we hopefully carry a big stick to solve those problems as well. So we found that to be very appropriate and stuck it on the t-shirt. And so here we go. I'm going to select this week's winner of the Speak Softly and Carry a Big Stick t-shirt. Here's our drum roll. And this week's winner is Sean G. Last name starts with G as in golf. Sean, that's S-H-A-W-N, in case you're wondering, not S-E-A-N. Sean G has an email address ending in 04 at hotmail.com. Sean, you'll be getting a message from me notifying you of winning this prize. And congrats to you, sir. And congrats to everybody else that entered the competition or the giveaway and didn't win. You didn't win a prize per se, but you were able to participate in the podcast. So <laughs> you're still a winner. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, if you want to make sure you're signed up for each week's giveaway, uh, there's a new sign-up form that goes up live on the site each week at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. So make sure you're visiting that at least once every week and getting signed up and then sharing it with your family and friends because you get more entries every time somebody that you shared it with also signs up for the giveaway. So some folks really do a good job and take advantage of that and get tons of entries because tons of their friends and family also sign up and many of you do not. So you're missing out. Well, with that, I'm going to let you go. I wish you all the best. We'll see you Thursday for a special episode, of course. Uh, Matthew Maristel will be back in the producer's chair and we're going to talk about nine gun myths busted. It should be a fun conversation. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.